welcome to the Skeptic Wire. Wire, sans Gary again. Poor Gary. He's out on a vacation. He's, He's having... hiking the Appalachian Trail. Something like that. <laughs> Does that mean that he's actually in Brazil with his... No. No, that means he's getting a Brazilian. Oh, good on you, Gary. It is episode 110. It is the 15th of May. Beware the Ides of May. Sure. Go with that one. We're like Shakespeare, only later. <laughs> yes, we are exactly like Shakespeare. <laughs> well, I guess when we throw insults at each other, but they're not quite as uh, wordy and effluent and... Melo- mel- melodious? Sure, yes. We his, just, his insults are pretty... We just hurl invectives at each other. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that at times. Stupid. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> so, what's going on with you, Greg? Not much. <laughs> Not much? Quiet week for me. <sighs> quiet week, quiet week, quiet week. Yeah, I would know nothing See, about I, that. See, I am the kind of person who cultivates that sort of thing. I, I revel in my downtime. I like a nice work-life balance where work doesn't encroach into my life. Yeah, where my life is work. <laughs> yes, to me, you are a crazy person. Yeah, I am slightly insane. But, you know, we're getting ready to shoot a big movie, downtown San Antonio, shutting down streets. We've got cops lined up, stop people from driving onto our set. You know, it's going to be really cool. We got big props. The evil Lord Menace is about to attack the city of San Antonio. It's going to be really cool. When you think of all the big budget blockbuster type movies or whatever, whenever there's an attack on a city... Washington, D.C., the Washington Monument or the White House gets blown up. In New York City, City, it's the the Empire State Building or the Statue of Liberty or something like that. What would they do for San Antonio? Like the Alamo? Actually, we're not attacking the Alamo because the Daughters of the Republic of Texas won't let us do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little known fact. The Daughters of the Republic of Texas basically run the Alamo. And in order to film there, you basically have to have papal dispensation. We didn't even bother approaching them because we knew what they were going to say. Recently, there was a movie called Chupacabra versus the Alamo, which actually wasn't filmed in San Antonio. All of the, (laughs) they took stock footage and all of the scenes inside the Alamo were like in Ottawa or British Columbia or something, you know, some like small fort. Missiony looking thing. Yeah. Wasn't even filmed in San Antonio. And the Daughters of the Republic had a conniption. They were all like, this is insulting the memory of the hundred and something men that died here. Blah, 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 and everything else. And I'm all like, it's Chupacabra. Okay? <laughs> it was filmed by sci-fi. It's not Shakespeare. <laughs> Relax. So we didn't even approach. This story is, is that we, we're going to basically not blow up the city of San Antonio. We're just going to destroy little bits of it. 
But is there like an iconic building? Nope, we're not doing that. Be... It's it really? could be actually just any city, but we actually do reference San Antonio. Oh, okay, in it, so it's not like you're specifically blowing up. We have like a space needly type thing. Yeah, we have the that... Tower of the Americas, which. So yeah. I, I guess if you I wanted to, ju- you could, but you decided just to make it as generic city as possible. Yeah, which actually the Tower of the Americas is actually featured prominently in our trailer. So <laughs> you can look at it and go, oh, is it San Antonio or is it Seattle? Because <laughs> they kind of look the same. Uh, nah, yeah, I get that. Well, good luck with the filming. Like I said, it's going to be crazy two weeks. And so next week when Gary is back, because he promised he would be. He needs to be caught up because I'm going to take a nap during the show, probably. <laughs> and that's different from most other shows. How? Bite my ass. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate okay. the offer. Has been a while, but no, thank you. So, do we have a birthday? Yes. We yes, a- we do. We have a Yay! birthday. Birthday. Um, happy, for a while there. Happy, happy birthday. Because ex- I can't sing the song. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for a while there i thought oh well there aren't a lot specifically skeptical birthdays i just couldn't find anything and and then i saw oh jerry falwell okay cool i was looking through his wikipedia article okay this is stuff i can talk about and no actually may 15th is the day he died not the day he was born so for the birthdays this week i went a little bit deeper it is someone who is dead but from the 20th century Okay. Uh, lived to about 65 years old. Was born May 15th, 1905. So died in 1970 Right. And okay. uh, the main clue I will give you is this person is particularly famous for one bit of film work. Hmm. One bit of film work. 1970. Okay, so... 19... 19- 30s late 20s early 30s the bit of film work he's famous for is from the 1960s the 1960s need more clues it is not a commercial film that he's famous for it's a piece of footage zapruder yes abraham zapruder well okay yeah i guess i was taking the word film a little too seriously that's why i said film work in the first place to lead you down the garden path of murkiness okay to yeah because to build the suspense yeah because i mean i'm i was thinking like early filmmakers and all the stuff that they did because did lead to a whole revolution in in how we look at media and and everything else i'm glad i got it yes you did you are queen of the podcast which is pretty particularly good since we don't have a lightning round this week Spoiler alert. Yeah, Abraham Zapruder happened to be in the crowd for JFK's ill-fated drive through Dallas on November 22nd, 1963. Originally, he didn't think he was going to bring his camera with him, but he decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to bring it with me. And he happened to capture footage of the president getting shot. Um, Probably one of the most analyzed pieces of films ever. Very much so. And he wasn't sure what to do with it, but he did eventually say, all right, I'll give the footage to the powers that be. To the evil government. 
the government? I'm I'm going to go with powers that be on the condition that they be used for investigating the incident, not as kind of publicity for a particular news network or something like that. He handed off the footage and it had to be copied several times to make sure and it's nationally archived and stuff like that. But yeah, he was born today, May 15th, 1905. And there's not much else about him, but an interesting guy in skeptical circles because... As you said, Donna, one of the most analyzed pieces of footage ever. ever. I've looked at it. I've actually had a professor go through frame by frame in a classroom showing both the conspiracy of the second gunman on the grassy knoll versus the lone gunman. The professor actually went through and was all like, okay, this is why it looks this way. And explained in glorious detail. <laughs> This is For what we can three hours. This is what we can figure out based on we know how film footage of this type, how well it can capture the image, what the grains and all that. Yeah. Add to that what we can figure out based on heights and angles, what information we can and cannot assume from yep. a two dimensional movie image, but what we can figure out based on speed of objects, based on frame rate and Yep, All that was, kind of stuff that they use in Mythbusters now. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I know that conspiracies were around before JFK, but JFK and the moon landing seem to be the two that kind of started the modern era of the conspiracy yeah, theory. Yeah, they seem to be unsinkable rubber duckies. Right. And you know what? You got to think of those guys that were doing this back in the 60s are like chemtrails, dude. Really? You're going with chemtrails now? <laughs> really? Can't you get a little bit more exciting? <laughs> we at least had assassinations and, like, space travel. <laughs> you got planes. <laughs> well, yes. Even so, with chemtrails versus moon landing versus Jeff. I, I think that oh, Harpo I, has a... Has something to say about the... I, I don't think that she believes us that it's all a conspiracy what? theory. What? What? She believes in the, the gunman. The second gunman. She doesn't... She can't even figure out fetch. So I'm not going to take her as a source of knowledge on how JFK was assassinated. How do you know? How can you prove that she doesn't know? I'm not going to consider her an expert because she can't figure out fetch. So I'm going to take anything she says with a grain of salt and ask for citations and, and proof and stuff. Where the hell was I? <laughs> um, okay. So we've got conspiracies like chemtrails or whatever and the moon landing and the JFK thing. Even the grand old conspiracies back in the day like JFK... They still have dozens of different potential explanations. Oh, it was a second gunman. It was the CIA. It was the Illuminati. It was the reptoids. It was. There's always dozens of different competing conspiracy theories that can't all be right. It's fun to, uh, as a kind of primer on skepticism, to kind of look at conspiracy theories because most of them are pretty well debunked. So if you're new to skepticism, you can go look at these kind of sites that are out there and find out, okay, what are they really saying? So I'm going to do a web of trust suggestion. Dun, 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 dun. Web of trust, Yay. web of trust, web of trust, 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 trust. I'm trying to think of a theme song. I guess that didn't work. So I'm going to suggest a couple sites to look at to say, you know what? Maybe you want to, 
if you think it deserves this rating, maybe want to rate these a little on the uh, caution side. One is oswald-innocent.com. It seems a lot of the JFK-type conspiracy websites are pretty 1990s primitive, just text on the screen with maybe frames with a menu down the side, kind of very primitive websites. So I don't know how recently these have been updated. But there's also another one out there, which is a little bit more sparkly, which is jfkmurdersolved.com. That's murder singular solved.com. And they'll do a lot of, well, I'm just asking questions. You know, who was this other person? Or there's this picture of some guy in a doorway, which is a grainy black and white photo. And this must be... Lee Harvey Oswald, because it kind of looks like him, so that proves he wasn't the shooter up in the book repository, depository, whatever the hell it is. Kind of like how you had with the Sandy Hook shootings. People were saying that the little girl Girl. who got photographed with Obama was one of the victims, and someone made a stupid mistake. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Whatever. But they're interesting to look at. But then, better yet, Go to a site like psychop.org, C-S-I-C-O-P.org, and read what they have to say on the JFK situation and other conspiracies, chupacabras and Bigfoots and UFOs or whatever. CSI Cop, I think they deserve a green positive rating. Those other ones, JFK Murder Solved and Oswald-Innocent.com, probably more towards the orange. Probably not red. They're not natural news or info wars. But not quite the positive rating that Which, they have now. Speaking of, I got a, I've got a complaint here. I'm gonna call Teacher Mike out right now. <gasps> uh oh. I'm gonna call him out. Well, he's not here to defend himself. He's not here to defend himself. But I got in my car the other day. I don't know where he picked it up, but there was a copy of the Infowars magazine in my car. It made me just. Was it like burning a hole through the carpet? No, which actually surprised me because I really thought it would. But I have to bring this in because, man, this is just, it became a source of entertainment on a long drive the other day. (laughs) Like, I'm reading him, like, the letters to the editor. I don't know how these people survive. So the letters to the editor, I assume they're the kind of full-on whack-a-loon, like, you guys are telling such the truth. Thank you for being here. Here, I've got this other idea. Yes. How about this? Yes. Oh, just adding to the layers of I know, and everybody's I was just pet like, conspiracy. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, why is this in my car? <laughs> and he's all like, there was something I wanted to show you. And I'm like, there, there is nothing in InfoWars magazine that you can show me. I didn't know they had a magazine. I thought yeah. it was just a website. No. Very nice. Very, actually very professionally looking, printed. Right really neat graphic artist that works for him some decades ago it was probably a typewritten newsletter out of someone's basement and has evolved into a full-on newsletter magazine and a website okay one of the things that i learned from the infowars magazine was that alex jones he was the street prophet in a movie called iskander darkly which is a really interesting done movie the graphics on it are amazing They took the live action footage and essentially painted over it with animation. And then also when like druggy type situations were happened, they added hallucinations onto all that kind of stuff. Very trippy yet conspiracy. Yeah. And like I said, Alex Jones plays the crazy street preacher in this movie. That cracks me up. And I honestly (laughs) think 
so here's my own little conspiracy theory. A little bit of Easter egg trivia for our listeners. Yes. That that's the movie that maybe he just really wanted to be an actor. And when it didn't like really kind of fall through for him and, and he basically had to figure out what else to do with his life, he kind of kept a hold of that dream and just went, you know what? I'm going to make the biggest bullshit ever on the Internet <laughs> and came up with InfoWars. It's one of those Poe's Law situations. You really don't know how much these guys the natural news the info wars how much true believers they are how much they know they're in on a, a scam or bullshit but at least the subject of today's birthday abraham's a pruder he's just famous for having taken the most famous 26.6 seconds worth of footage ever yeah not a conspiracy theorist himself but the video that launched a thousand conspiracies very yeah. helen of troy of him yes and i would like to give a shout out to Maeve Leakey. Maeve Leakey is an anthropologist. She has worked with the Leakey Foundation. She is married into the Leakey family, which is the crowned family of anthropology. <laughs> she was actually just elected as a foreign associate to the National Academy of Sciences. Cool. She is also the first Kenyan. She was born in Kenya and the first African woman to be elected to this office. So, yay! <laughs> and she's actually a really nice person. She's really awesome. So you know her personally yeah, as I've well? Yeah, I've met her. Okay. Well, You have met her. You I, don't know her yeah, very well. It's yeah. not like we go out and get our nails done and, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> you know, I heard her talk. I got to talk to her for about three minutes. She's still awesome. Do you know with the National Academy of Sciences how diverse that group is already? There are 84 new members. 21 are foreign associates from 14 different countries. While she is foreign, she is helping out with Stony Brook University, helping out with their Plyo Pleistocene research. So way, way, way back there in early human times. Right. <laughs> Definitely not the first token woman or anything like that. No, she's not the first token woman, but she is the first African woman. Good to expand those horizons. Yep. Cool. So congratulations. I just want to say thank you. Cool. Well, I'm glad you answered my question with some intelligence and tact because I felt like I might have made a boob of myself. But Well, the listeners don't know that's a joke yet. Yes. We're about to talk about Angelina Jolie and the fact that she got her boobs whacked off. That's a, okay. That's a, I, I'm going to take back the respectful and, and non-crass manner. Because <laughs> I just went for it. You just, I, yeah, you well, won't. Okay. actually, I mean, that's exactly what happened. It was a little bit more surgical and subtle than that. Yes. <laughs> Considering that nobody knew it had happened until she wrote an op-ed or something yeah, for the she, New York Times. I believe so. It was the New York Times that she wrote the op-ed. She had lost her mother just actually relatively recently due to ovarian and breast cancer at a, a very young age. She went in and she had the test for the BRCA1 and 2. Which and, is a gene. Yeah. It's a genetic marker, I guess is the way I want to put it. She tested positive for the BRCA1, I believe it was, which did increase her chances of developing breast and or ovarian cancer. Well, breast cancer by 87%. And so she said, you know what? It's time to be proactive. And she went in and she had a double mastectomy and then had... Her lady bits rebuilt. My understanding, it was a series of procedures. I don't know if it was just the mastectomy was one procedure and then everything else was reconstructive. It was a long process yeah. that she kept 
to herself, which is considering how photographed she is in the tabloid type things. Amazing that she was essentially able to keep this under wraps. Yeah. Well, my understanding with double mastectomies is that especially if you're going the reconstructive route, which many women actually don't. What happens is you have a mastectomy where the breasts are removed and then they basically have to kind of once the skin is healed, they kind of have to stretch it out a bit for the implants. Basically, they put in like a, almost like a balloon. So they essentially like they put in an A cup balloon and then they yeah. let the skin stretch and they say, OK, we'll put in a, a slightly bigger or they inflate it a little yeah. bit more t- until it's back to her normal more famous size. Right. And then they put the implants in and then it is reconstructive surgery to replace the nipples and all of that jazz. So I don't know if you saw this, but she's also planning on having her ovaries removed because this does carry the chance of ovarian cancer. Now she's coming under fire for this decision, which personally, I don't know how to put this, baffles me. Well, I, I would say that most of the reactions I've seen, I guess just from friends on Facebook, have been, wow, this was impressive of her to take one of her most famous, pardon the pun, assets, taking it out and redoing it completely for her health. There were a lot of, wow, very brave of her, or some survivors that I know say, well, if I knew now what I knew then, I would do the same thing if my insurance would cover it, that sort of stuff. I've seen a lot of positive responses, but maybe I, I just don't watch cable news. Some of the the responses that I have seen that have not been positive have been the cost of the test is $3,000 and, and that's most the, insurances don't cover it. That's just the genetic test, let alone all the surgeries. Surgeries and everything else. And once again, insurance is going to go the cheapest route possible. And a lot of times they'll be like, no, we'll just monitor rather than go this radical route. But it did drop her percentage of actually being diagnosed with cancer from 87% to less than 5%. With that being said, this BRCA1 marker is so rare. It's only like 8 to 10% of all breast cancer cases are related to the BRCA1. So she could still technically get breast cancer from another source. source. But this specific breast cancer, her chances of getting it are severely reduced yes i personally i think she's brave for actually putting it out there she obviously managed to keep it a secret and women women are tied to their breasts it is considered one of the signs of femininity so she really did actually go out there and go i did this go get yourself checked this happened to me i wanted to make sure that my children had their mother to raise them, and I get to know my own grandchildren. And she wanted to be a positive voice for women's health. As unfortunate as it is that actresses and actors are considered role models, she understood that she is looked up to and seen as a public figure, someone to follow maybe their habits or not just their hairstyles. And she took that and said, well, since I know that I have this reputation, I can use it to say, hey... If you can, look after your health, do what you can. Because some people, yes, the doctors may say, you know what, in your case, for this type of cancer that you may have a marker for, or maybe you used to smoke in when you were a teenager, but you stopped. Depending on all those different variables, your doctor is going to say different percentages and say, all right, in this case, we're going to do something preventative. In this other case, we're going to say, let's just keep an eye on it. Let's look at it. 
Let's do mammograms. Unfortunately, I know they're incredibly uncomfortable. Let's do them twice a year because you're at a risk category. And sometimes that's the best bet because sometimes invasive surgery could be worse than the odds that you might get a certain disease or a certain cancer. So you have to watch it and sometimes you have to customize medicine to what you need. Of course, we have the the health rangers and the Mike Adams and the, the armchair quarterbacks coming out and going, oh, if she just changed her diet or this or that, all of these other reasons about why she could get cancer or why she how she could prevent it and everything else. And I'm going to say this. I've said it before here, and I will say it again, and I will say it again, and I'm sure I will have to say it again. Cancer is a complex disease. Series of diseases. There is no single item that you eat, intake, genetics, environment, whatever. There is no single thing that causes cancer. There is no single thing that cures cancer. Get with the program, people. My armchair psychologist is that the conspiracy theorists, the natural newsy type people's It's more comforting to have a simple universe where A plus B equals C. Because we know the truth that nobody else will tell you. We have more of a control over the universe, over scary things like disease and death and the unknown. And it's a certain amount of comfort. So you want to build up every cognitive dissonance wall that you can to say, I'm going to protect these beliefs. It is akin to religious beliefs. To say, this is a comfort to me to think that I know the truth, I know better, I know a simple way to live a long and healthy life. And they get stuck in these mindsets and get very defensive. Yeah, like I said, I think that Angelina Jolie really did step out of her comfort zone. She didn't have to make this announcement, but she is trying to get the word out. Get yourself tested. If you have these things in your life, if you are of Ashkenazi descent. If you have a mother, a grandmother, aunt, somebody related to you by blood who died of breast cancer or ovarian cancer at an early age, go get the test. Because the more you know, the easier it is to deal with it. Even if you can't get this test, you can still talk to your doctor about all the risk factors that you could be looking out for what other tests you can do within your medical budget. It's unfortunate not everybody can do this thousand dollar, you know, multi-thousand dollar test, but there's steps you can do, which if you find out that these other things are starting to line up, maybe you can force a little bit more of, yeah, we need to do this test. Yeah. So great job for Angelina Jolie. To me, Angelina Jolie is this mystery wrapped in enigma. She started out as being the wild child hellcat, Billy Bob Thornton's wife. I mean, come on. Just crazy. But she really has come out. She does a lot of work with the UN. She really does try to bring a voice to a lot of different causes. And I'm also glad to see her partner, Brad Pitt, standing up and saying, you know what? I stand behind her for this. She made a choice. She's done it. I support her. She's no less of a woman to me. In fact, she's even more. And that's really great to hear because that as a woman is sometimes what needs. You need to have the men in your life going. Your breasts do not define you. Yeah. I say kudos to both of them. Yeah. 
Yay. So I was confused on how to do a transition to the next topic. So I thought I had the perfect transition to talk about the movie Cell, which I thought Angelina Jolie was in. No, it's Jennifer but, Lopez. But it's Jennifer Lopez. But we are going to talk about cells. We are going cells? to talk. Yes. Prison cells? Because I know some people who need to be in some, but that's another story. Sorry. Uh, Never mind. No, no, no. Prison, no. body cells, organic cells with the nucleus and the mitochondria and the uh, ribosomes. Ribosomes, yeah. Uh, I think those are in it, yeah. The, the lipid cell wall and, and all that. The cytoplasm. Yes, exactly. Specifically, stem cells. There's been a lot of news about stem cells lately. Yes. Most specifically, the news that came out today in the May 15th issue of the journal Cell, it turns out that a scientist in Oregon has been able to finally figure out how to clone human cells. It's not full on kind of you grab a skin cell and you turn it into into a a person person kind of cloning, but it is the... Think back to 1996. You had Dolly the sheep. Yes. What they did is they took a fertilized cell that maybe had divided a couple times into a mini embryo, mini, mini, mini embryo, and they took an adult nucleus from an adult sheep and they swapped nuclei in that they took out the nuclei from the fertilized cell and put in the adult nucleus and caused that to try to start dividing again so it had this new dna and then attempted to implant that in a sheep to see if it was viable in 1996 they were able to clone a sheep viably which nuclearly was genetically identical to an existing sheep so they cloned okay now granted the mitochondrial dna was not the same and the egg cell kind of came from a different parent so there were differences of course but it worked Back in, I think it was 2005, some Koreans, I think it was North Koreans, but I can't remember. Had Those cl- crazy North Koreans. Yeah. The, uh, one of their least crazy things, if it was the North Koreans, please correct me, listeners, if I'm wrong, was that they claimed that they had been able to viably clone a human cell. But it turned out that it really hadn't worked out. So they've been trying ever since 1996 to see if they can do the same thing with a human cell. And for some reason, they've been running into problems in that they'll do the nucleus exchange and then the cell may divide two, maybe three times and then just stop. So the problem has not been the nuclear exchange. It's been getting it to grow into a viable embryo stage. In 2007, what happened is uh, someone was able to figure out how to take a skin cell and induce it to become a stem cell. So almost everybody was like, you know what? Fuck this embryo stuff. We're going to work with the adult cells because, frankly, people complain about it less. (laughs) Yeah, well, the ultimate potential of stem cell therapy is to avoid human donation. Exactly, yes. But until then, we have to work with what works a little better, a little easier, so we can figure out how to do the techniques with the adult cells. So it seems that there are a couple different tries to make this nuclear exchange with a human cell and make it continue to divide. And it finally, a name that I am going to butcher, and I apologize to everybody, I don't even know what nationality this person is. Uh, Shukat uh, Mitalipov. Shukat Mitalipov. We'll go with that. He Sounds is, very Eastern European. He, maybe. 
probably, but could also be Arab for all I know. This person, male or female, I can't tell that either, works at the Oregon National Primate Research Center in Beaverton, Oregon, I assume. Despite the fact that all the other scientists had tried to move on to doing the induced pluripotent stem cells, which is turning a skin cell into a stem cell, he said, you know, what? I'm going to keep trying to work with embryos to see if I can at least make this technique work. I'm not going to try to clone a person. I just want to see if I can make this work. Eventually, he finally found a way, which seemed to be that the problem was that as you were exchanging nuclei, taking the old one out, putting the new one in, the cell was still trying to go through its division process. Something in the exchange of taking the nuclei out and putting the new one in screwed that process up, so it stopped. What Metalopov was able to figure out was that you kind of bathe the cell in a mixture of chemicals, induce an electric shock. One of the chemicals included in the bath is caffeine, which essentially kind of stuns the cell into not dividing while they're able to exchange the nuclei, and then they're able to revive it or whatever with another electric shock or something like that, and it finally was able to divide and divide and divide. So they allowed it to grow into a mass of cells. Just so you know, he's Russian. I looked it up. So now they had this batch of cells that were dividing and dividing. They took some of it and ground up the cells and, and saw with a nuclear test that, yes, it has the same DNA signature as the donor of the original, the new DNA sample. And they also took some other cells and put them in Petri dishes and were able to induce them to grow into differentiated cells, like heart cells that actually beat or nerve cells or that sort of thing. So he's not trying to, I assume it's a he and... You said... Russian. Russian? Okay. I looked him up. I googled. Yes. And and through the magic of radio, we cut that part out. Um, (laughs) So he's not trying to actually clone a viable human, because they've actually found that with primates, the the actual cloning to a viable two-term baby doesn't seem to work. They've used rhesus monkeys and haven't been able to get it to quite work right. That's fine. We're not worried about that. We're not interested in that. But what we are interested in is being able to create stem cells with the genetic match to the donor so that we can take those stem cells and turn them into other cells. We've talked in previous weeks about things like, I think they just regrew a kidney. I was going to say, there was the recent story of there was a, a young girl, Hannah Warren, who had basically lived her whole life, a whole two and a half years, in a hospital because she was born without a trachea. Thanks to science, they successfully, through stem cell research, grew her a trachea. Yeah, so they, <laughs> they took a trachea from a donor, washed away all the cells that it had on it, leaving it just its essentially cartilage structure to it, and then bathed that in the girl's stem cells that were able to be genetically identical to her other cells so there wouldn't be immune reaction. Yep. And Bob's your uncle. She has a trachea. Yeah. Um, She's actually expected to be released permanently from the hospital in the coming months. Which which is amazing. So, yay! They've grown kidneys and ears. (laughs) I mean, I've seen the whole picture. Everybody's seen the picture of the ear on the back of the mouse. Come on. Now, we're not quite ready for that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Worf breaks his back and insist to Riker that you have to kill me in this ceremonial suicidal Klingon way 
and Crusher or the, the temporary doctor who replaced her in the second season decides, I'm going to try this experimental therapy to regrow your spinal column. And they are kind of 3D printing a spinal column using essentially stem cells. Yeah. So we're a little bit, we're not quite there yet. Not even the classic, it's five years away kind of research. But that's the end goal. And this is great progress towards that. Because, like you said earlier, we don't want to deal with embryos. Because there's sometimes where we want everything in the cell to match the original person, including the mitochondrial kind of situation with its own special DNA. Or we just want things to match the donor completely, or the Mm -hmm. recipient completely. So this could be really awesome, but you get people who are angry with this whole situation because of embryos are involved. And it really pisses me off because I've never heard a viable explanation of, okay, if we can turn a skin cell into a stem cell and a stem cell can become through some chemical manipulation an embryo and we could conceivably, pardon the pun, clone somebody, when does that skin cell that people are perfectly fine with us experimenting on, when does that become a bad cell that you can't experiment Mint. with anymore because now it's an embryo? It shows a lack of biological understanding. It shows a lack of a gray area of, well, we got to work on this as opposed to, no, never, not. So, yeah. Well, speaking of no, never, not. Oh, dear. I am actually very sad to report. I saw this article on NBC News. I posted it to our main site. Um, A construction company in Belize has just torn down a Mayan temple. Just gotten rid of it they're in the process of building a road decided that the road was a little bit more important than this 2300 year old temple just beautiful and history in the making you know never mind the fact that belize has laws in place that say basically these temples these ruins kind of take place over a road so was it the situation like in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where they said we're going to put a road through where the temple was no, they just basically destroyed the temple. There's, like, a wall left. So why did they bulldoze the temple? Because they're putting a road through it. The complex sets on private land, and so they're saying they basically had the right. They're also using the walls and some of the other stuff to actually build the road rather than i don't know skirt the road around it so it can stay there so they essentially turned a valuable twenty thousand year old temple into gravel for a road yeah they weren't even putting the road through where the temple was they just said you know what we need building supplies so we're gonna recycle yes just so you know it's only 2300 not twenty thousand. okay but to me 2300 20,000 it doesn't make a difference People are still trying to figure out many questions about the Mayan population. Why did they die out? What was their daily life like? Once again, knowledge is power. And once again, it's just somebody made a decision to just raise it without thinking of the long-term consequences. It could have been an accident. It could have been malicious. Yeah. I know here in San Antonio, we have a loop around San Antonio and... There was a situation where they were going to expand a section of that highway loop around the city. And they found some early human settlement artifacts and something like that. 
the whole project stopped. Yep. And it's unfortunate for progress or for traffic and stuff like that, but this is invaluable information about where we all came from. Right. And in Texas, anytime that you actually do an expansion of a road or building a new road and everything else, scientists have to go out there and evaluate the area. And that's just like a field where you got to sift through it and say, well, might there have been anything there? As opposed to this thing in Belize where there's a fucking temple right there. Yeah, exactly. Because like, like you were saying, because I know the people who did the digs that found these early human ancestors here in Texas. I know the people who wrote the reports. Are actually really good friends of mine. <laughs> um, Humble brag. Well, they're really cool. Because <laughs> here in San Antonio... We have a whole center for archaeological research that most people actually don't even realize exists. So if you're ever in San Antonio, there, out at UTSA, there is this CAR, the Center for Archaeological Research. They will actually, they want visitors to come. They will teach you how to throw an atlatl, which is like kind of a, a spear thing. Um, I suck at throwing it, FYI. Is that the one with the, the kind of piece of wood that you put a notch in the end? And use that to chuck a spear? Yes. Okay. Well, I was actually trying to avoid the word spear chucking. <laughs> well, so was I. <laughs> but it's it's essentially kind of a leverage to throw a spear better and faster. Yes. Maybe a little bit more accurate as well. Their primary job right now is to go through with the Department of Transportation here in San Antonio and evaluate all of these sites as they expand, as they add new roads and everything else. To make sure that nothing is missed and nothing is just, oh, accidentally destroyed. Oops, sorry. So is there, in this temple down in Belize, is there any indication of what happened with the builder? Is he saying anything? As far as I know, he's not really saying anything. Just kind of like, oh, oops. I guess they they were building the road. And finally, government officials went, you know, we got to go out there and inspect. And... Oh, look, they destroyed the temple. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like someone saw it falling down. An inspector went out to the site and said, wait a minute, what happened? What, yeah, what happened here? <laughs> Big temple should be here. It's not. And then whatever pet archaeologist they brought along to help them observe just went on full on Hulk and said, smash, yeah. how dare you? Yeah, Dr. Jaime Awe, who's one of the lead archaeologists in, in Mexico, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he went Hulk smash on somebody. Once again, there is this complex relationship between science, history, archaeology, physics, uh, stem cell research, and the government. And sometimes who I think are the good guys don't always win. I get that. Because we talked about this last week with Doug Owsley, his work with Kennewick Man and when the the government just went in and raised the site where Kennewick Man was found. And in this case, down in Belize, it was probably a lack of oversight as well as ignorant builders, maybe not quite as malicious behavior as, say, when when the Buddha statues in Afghanistan were blown up because of religious reasons. It was just someone was ignorant and didn't care to check. So... That's sad news. Yes. So now we can talk about drunk driving. Yes. Something else that you should check before you drive is your blood alcohol level. It's kind of hard to 
check that. Well, before you... I'm sure there are commercially available breathalyzers. Yes. Because you can get breathalyzers installed in your car. She doesn't like that idea. She wants people <laughs> to drive drunk. <laughs> hey, Harpo's sober. As far as I know. <laughs> there are devices you can buy commercially to install into your car that won't allow you to start the car if you have a blood alcohol above a certain level based on your breathalyzer test. And I think that they should also be installed on cell phones so that people <laughs> cannot text, call, or get on Facebook. Yeah, or sing karaoke. There you go. <laughs> there, there are many, many valuable reasons to have your own breathalyzer. But that's not what we're talking no. about. And we're not talking about the fact that me, as someone who's 37 years clean and sober, just doesn't like being around really drunk people that I don't know. I mean, I've been to conferences and stuff where people have a few drinks here and there. Nobody really gets full-on college-level drunk, but people drink often, and it's just not my cup of tea. But that's at conferences where everybody's hanging out at a hotel bar, and people can just walk upstairs after they're finished drinking and not cause anybody bodily harm. Yes. We have a big problem in this country of probably about 10,000 people a year die in drunk driving accidents. And probably many more than that are injured. And it's never the drunk. Almost uh, never. It seems like it should be the drunk more often than it is. Yes. You also have 4 million people who admit that, yeah, they did drive under the influence and... That's just the people who admit it. There are plenty of people who drive after having one or two beers and think, no, oh, I'll be fine. Oh, I'm fine. Currently in the United States, I think all 50 states have eventually gotten to the point where the legal threshold for being legally drunk is a blood alcohol level of 0 0.08. Yeah. It's actually been reduced in recent years from 1.0 in most places to 0 0.08. Right now, the National Transportation Safety Board has come out with a unanimous recommendation from their five-member panel saying that we think it should be reduced from 0 0.08 to 0 0.05, almost in half. If, if you think about it, a lot of the science says that based on your body size and your tolerance for alcohol and that kind of thing, for every drink that you have in an hour, your blood alcohol goes up about... 0 0.02, 0 0.03. So right now, you have to have had four drinks, three or four drinks in an hour to be technically legally drunk. And maybe when you're 0 0.08, your voice has already gotten slurred or whatever. But before that, your mental capacity is impaired by the alcohol. You're not making your best decisions. Probably your reaction time is a little slower. And you also, like Donna said, you call people that you probably shouldn't. Yeah. So in this case, what I learned from high school health class was it takes about an hour for you to process out with your liver one drink. If we're bringing down the level of alcohol to 0 0.02, 0 0.03, that means that maybe if someone has one or two drinks in the hour before they drive, they're still not great but still a hell of a lot better than 0 0.08. Yes. And it should be interesting to see what the battle is that will ensue over this recommendation, because the NTSB has no power at all to say you must do this. 
And just like with the 0.08 alcohol level, it's going to have to happen state by state by state. I don't know if any states are below 0.08 already. I don't know either. But honestly, the best course of action is if you're going to go out and drink, have a friend like Greg who doesn't drink and who will graciously donate their time to be that designated driver to make sure that you and your friends have a good time all the way around. Yeah, The last, the amazing meeting in, in July, I was hanging out with just people who were getting little drinky, little, not quite full on drunk, but a little drinky at the bar at Tam in the hotel. And I was also making sure that certain people, let's make sure you get up to your hotel room fine, that you're okay. All right, everything's fine now. And there's good reasons because one of the times I was escorting some people upstairs, some guy followed us onto the elevator who was blitzed drunk and had stolen cakes from the deli and That's not good. was trying to bribe the people I was with to come with him up to his hotel room. Hey, I'll give you some cake. These are smart, skeptical people. I don't think they would have gone with this guy. But it's best to have someone there who is not impaired. And even better than that, have someone who can drive you who has not been drinking. Whether you need to call a taxi or bring a friend who doesn't drink or is willing to not drink that day, please don't drink and drive. And what the science says is that we could severely reduce the amount of accidents that happen if we reduce the, the legal blood alcohol level from 0.08 to 0.05, because Australia did this already, and they had a reduction in deaths from drunk driving. They reduced anywhere between 5 and 18%. And with 10,000 deaths a year, that could be thousands of people's of lives we've saved. Yeah. So that's one of the big things about skepticism. We're trying to do consumer protection. We're trying to help people save lives. So if it comes up to say, let's reduce the blood alcohol limit in your state, even if you're a drinker and you like to drink and get drunk, be the responsible, intelligent, skeptical person and fight for that heavier enforcement of drunk driving standards so that we can save lives. Yeah. And Um, I will step off my soapbox for a second so Donna can talk. I did look it up. Wikipedia, which I don't normally like to reference, but in in things like this, I I think that it's a good one. Basic numbers they usually get. All states are at a 0.08 right now. United States, New Zealand, Norway, Mexico, England and Wales, Puerto Rico, Scotland, Singapore, Northern Ireland, and Canada are all at a 0.08. With certain exceptions, such as fixed-winged aircraft flying, commercial driving, sort of thing. If we go down to 0.05, we actually join a very long list with Argentina and Australia and Austria and including Greece, Hong Kong, and Turkey. I would have thought actually that Turkey being basically a Muslim state, that it would be more like any alcohol in your blood is bad. (laughs) Boom. But they're a little bit more of a secular state. Maybe they're okay with Christians drinking. I don't know. Yeah. But actually, China has only a 0.02. Wow. China, Israel, Estonia, Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Puerto Rico, and Sweden are at a 0.02. And there are places that have a zero tolerance policy. Like my house. Yes. (laughs) Pakistan, Paraguay, Russia, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and actually Canada under certain restrictions. Okay. You know, I hate to say this, 
follow the Aussies. <laughs> <laughs> they may be a little weird, but they've got a good idea. As a drinker, I do drink. I have you know, wine and beer, and I'm sure there are times that my liver goes, I hate you. But do the responsible thing. If you're going to drink, don't drive. If you're going to drink, call a cab, call a friend. I am sure that every single one of your friends would appreciate getting <laughs> yeah. that phone call that says, <laughs> okay. Or, you know, would rather get that phone call than the, I'm sorry to inform you. Or, well, I was going to say that as opposed to the, oh my God, I love you text. <laughs> sorry. I hate to say it. I would rather get the, I'm so drunk. Come pick me up and take me home. Rather than the, you're my best friend, I love you so much. Those I hang up on. There's a reason. Well, how do you know they're not going to ask you for a ride after they tell you that they love you? Maybe that's why they're saying I give them two minutes. You can't get to the point in two minutes. You can call somebody else. I get that. It's not just alcohol that is stuff that we have to be aware of. I mean, there's a lot of things that people can do legally. That's not necessarily good for your health. Yes. Going back to conferences and the amazing meeting and all that, the amazing meeting is held in Las Vegas. Las Vegas allows you to smoke almost everywhere. Actually, they're cracking down on some of it. There are rooms that you can smoke in. You can smoke in the casinos. I haven't heard of a casino banning smoking, but I haven't heard about everything in Las Vegas because what's said in Vegas stays in Vegas. I love Vegas, so... Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people in skeptical circles who still smoke, which I don't understand, but that's a argument for another time. But there's a lot of exposure to smoke there from just people being around the bars or whatever. And that point where you get to the elevators and get to go up to your room and it's a non-smoking room, you feel like you are like breathing pure oxygen because it's like, oh my gosh. My brain is working because I'm not around that haze of smoke anymore. Yeah. I want to say this about Las Vegas, though. I think it depends on the casino. I think there actually is a ban in Nevada about smoking, but a lot of places just kind of ignore it. But with that being said, the more expensive the casino you're at, the better their filtration systems are (laughs) and everything else. Because I spent a week at the Bellagio cleanest pumped in air ever (laughs) (laughs) well yes they can pump in air and that's all fine and good but there's smoke around there's a lot of it and there is a study published in the may 13th issue of tobacco control which is i assume a peer-reviewed journal but i don't know enough about it a researcher george mall uh, it's basically george without the e at the end at the san diego state university went around to hotel rooms in the San Diego area. He studied 40 hotels, 30 of which had a partial ban on smoking. So they had smoking and non-smoking rooms that were separated. And then there were 10 hotels of the 40 that a full-on ban. You couldn't smoke anywhere in the building. What he wanted to do was test the surfaces and air quality in the various rooms and also test hand wipe samples and urine samples from people who stayed in those rooms whether we're smoker or non-smoker. Well, having done a crime scene in hotel rooms, I'm probably not going to be surprised by anything you tell me because I 
Sorry, hotel rooms are just nasty. I understand. Hotel rooms are very nasty. You should never touch the remote. The duvet cover is, they never wash those. And maybe you can trust little soap in the packet because that was hermetically sealed and never opened before. But I was actually surprised by the study because what they found was that they tested the air quality and the surface stuff in rooms that had a complete smoking ban in the entire hotel rooms that were non-smoking in the partial smoking hotel, and then full-on smoking rooms in the partial smoking hotel. And what they found was that air quality for things like 3EP, which is apparently a indicator of tobacco smoke, were seven times higher in the non-smoking rooms of the partial smoking hotel than they were in the hotel rooms where smoking was banned entirely. So even in a non-smoking room you still had exposure to air quality and also surface quality, because they went into that as well, of nicotine, of these smoke categories, these cancerous... Okay, forgive the word, because this is a skeptical podcast, but toxins. You had exposure, even in the non-smoking rooms, in the air and the surface everywhere, to these chemicals. In the smoking rooms, obviously it was much, much worse. They tested nicotine in the air, and found that 22 to 35% times more nicotine, etc., in the air of smoking rooms after someone had left. So the air quality was really bad in smoking rooms. A couple years ago, I went to a family wedding, and I stayed in a hotel and was accidentally put into a smoking room. Aww. That was hell. I, I basically browbeat the hotel staff until they moved me the next day. I had to spend a whole night in that smoking room. It was horrible because it hangs around everywhere. And that was a full-on smoking room. Now I'm scared to go to any hotel room that allows smoking anywhere because it means that there will be residue everywhere. And it's not just the smoking rooms that are that way. It must be poor filtration in that everything gets recirculated inside the hotel. Maybe you've got some people who are smoking in a non-smoking room anyway, despite yeah. the warnings of don't cover up the smoke detector, all that kind of stuff. It just shows you that all these kind of chemicals are everywhere that are not good for you. So the, the moral of the story is please stop smoking. I have I friends who have been able to do it with willpower, with apps to kind of reward themselves to say, hey, it's been 40 days since I've last smoked. So you get to have that reward thing or using gum or or rubber bands or whatever whatever you can do to not smoke please do that and yeah that's again yeah. my soapbox moment yeah well we want you to live a long life without lung cancer a long and healthy life so you can be on our birthday segment yes <laughs> well that would normally leave us at the lightning round <laughs> unfortunately since we're one man short again <laughs> We're not going to have lightning round because it'd be just kind of silly because I'd already be the queen of the podcast. So since Gary's away, what should we do to his house? I don't know. Hmm. Although his dogs have been quite lovely. Just absolutely, you know, they're like, hey, you're here. We've missed you. <laughs> they can talk now? No, but you can tell what they're thinking. Oh, okay. They're just really happy for company. Yes. So, yeah, because I've been checking on the dogs the past couple of days. And just generally, you know, oh, my God, there's a human. Oh, my God, there's a human. 
but I and found jealousy do- amongst them because if you pet one, then the other <laughs> one gets mad. And that's why I have one dog. I don't think there should be more dogs in a house than there are people. Ah, that pack mentality overwhelms the human nature of being the domination. I need a nap. Yes, you do. So. <laughs> I guess we should just say our usual spiel about, hey, if you have a question or comment, you can email us at skepticwire at gmail.com. You can drop us a note on Facebook at the Skepticwire podcast and go look it up. We're also on the Twitters at the Skepticwire. And I think most importantly, we talk about this every week. It's in the closing segment kind of thing. If you can give us a recommendation, a positive review on iTunes that really helps, keeps us visible. And also, if you like us, especially if you like us, tell a friend. Yeah. Hey, this these kind Listen of... Listen to these three people down in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> who aren't complete yahoos. So, yes. You know, tell your friends. And um, if we can see you at a conference like the one Gary's going to in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah or... Gary will be at the American Humanist Association Conference at the end of May. I'm going to TAM in July, so hopefully we get to see you then. In October, we should all be at the Texas Free Thought Convention, because rumor has it it's going to be here in San Antonio. Come, come join us for some San Antonio hospitality, I guess. Yes, you but know? you can't stay in our houses. No. I have five dogs. Well, maybe one or two of my good, good friends that I already know, but they would have to ask me separately as opposed to strangers. Yes. This is getting weird and creepy. I apologize. So, like you said, look for us at conferences. Look for us on the internets. Look for us Twittering. Say something nice about us. You don't have to say something nice about us, but it would be nice if you did. It's nice to be nice to the nice. So they need to be nice to you, because I'm not very nice. I was just quoting Frank Burns from MASH. Oh, yeah, I heard that now. Yeah. See, my brain isn't a bottomless pit of nothing. Yes, yeah. I can remember some stuff. You're a fount of useless knowledge. And that's what our show is about. Please tell your friends about it. Bye-bye. Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. That being said, the Harpo Hush. Let me just hear some talking. Da da da, blah blah blah. Now hiring. Mm, I hate the city of San Antonio because they make it such hell to make a movie at times. How's that? <laughs> um, oddly specific. <laughs> I, I was just going yeah okay i i considered singing something but I, nothing I'm, actually I'm, came i'm glad to mind. you reconsidered thank you uh-huh.